You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show comes to you after the NFL scouting combine, before the beginning of of free agency, a few weeks before the NFL draft. Lots of questions surrounding the Giants at this point in time. Lots of, of different scenarios in the draft, in free agency, all of, all of that stuff, you know, kind of swirling around. And, and all we can really do is talk about it at this point. Here to help me do that is, is good friend Patricia Traina of Lockdown Giants and Giants Country. Patty, it's been a while since we've had John. How you doing? I'm doing well, Ed. Yeah, it's been a while. Hope everything's going well for you. It is. It is. We were both in Indy, and uh, I know that uh, you know we uh, we got around a little bit, saw a little bit. You didn't come out to dinner with us, though. You didn't come I out know. to dinner with Emery and, and and the gang, and you know. We, I know. We, I, I don't know. Disapp- I was disappointed. I you know I had a head cold. I caught a cold the week before the combine, and I fought like heck to get rid of it. And unfortunately, it carried over, and. I just, you know, sometimes you just got to listen to your body and that's what I had to do. So, but I was bummed out. I was really looking forward to the restaurant tour. And, you know, I told Emery about that when I had him on my show and he says, oh, we'll just have to schedule a, a, a dinner, you know, here in New Jersey. And I said, okay, I'm down for that for sure. Yeah, that works. Emery's a, Emery's a good guy. We had fun. We went to St. Elmo's. We ate way too much food. We spent way too much money. And, uh, you know, that's uh is not the kind of not the kind of meal you can do very often for your waistline or for your budget. Well, you only live once, so why not enjoy it? That's true. That's true, Patty. So what I wanted to do today, you know, back in the old days, you and I used to do a thing that we called the Friday Five, where we would sort of trade questions. We would both sort of answer the same question. You know, I would give you my answer for your site. You would give me your answer for mine. So what I'm going to kind of do today is is kind of walk through five sort of off-season questions or off-season scenarios for the Giants. I'll kind of quickly give you the way that I see it playing out, and then I'll let you answer, you know, whether you agree with me or, or how you see the particular scenario playing out. So I suppose the first one that we will start with is this. There's been all of the talk over the last couple of days about the Jacksonville Jaguars and Yannick Naku, the the edge rusher who they're apparently going to franchise tag. 
guy who I think the Giants might have targeted as an edge rusher in free agency if he were to be available. So I guess my first question is this. Will the Giants or will the Giants not be able to come up with a premier, you know, big name, big time pass rusher this offseason? I think the answer to that is no, because I don't think they're going to be able to swing a deal with Jacksonville for Naku. I don't think they're going to meet Jadavian Clowney's asking price, nor do I think they should meet Clowney's asking price. I don't think Chase Young is going to be available to them in the draft. So I think they're going to have to piece the pass rush together with scheme and and with the best players they can they can accumulate without a big name number one guy. Your thoughts on that? I'm with you, Ed. You know, I I put together a scenario on Giants Country on how the Giants could do a tag and trade with Jacksonville for Naku, and I I just don't know that that's going to be the answer. I think if you go back and you look at the the Giants' great defenses when they they had a pass rush that was effective. How many times could you honestly say they had a legitimate number one pass rusher? You can make that case in 2007 with Strahan. You might have been able to make the case, I guess, in, in 2011. But if you go back to 2016 when they had JPP and they had Olivier Vernon, can you make the case and say that either one of those guys was a legitimate number one? I'm not so sure you can. But they were also very productive. It became a case of pick your poison if you were the other team trying to defend. So it's interesting because I had Jeff Risen on my show, and that's a show that's going to be out um, Wednesday of this week. And we were talking about that and, and Patrick Graham and how he kind of schemes the pass rush open. And I think, you know, the Giants, you know, they, they took Lorenzo Carter, who – has, was misused in, in the defense last year. He wasn't used properly. They took X-Man, O'Shane Zimenez. Um, I can see them potentially re-signing Marcus Golden, um, who was not a number one pass rusher. But I don't know that you necessarily need a number one pass rusher. It would be nice if you can get it. But you also have to say, okay, well, if you don't have that guy because he's injured or whatnot – then what do you do? Do you shut down your pass rush or do you carry on? And I think the answer is, is you know, you, you just you build a committee and you try and approach it that way. Sure, Patty. I think that Patrick Graham, new defensive coordinator, comes from the Belichick tree, comes from New England, where they haven't necessarily over the years had that number one pass rusher. So I think that's what you're going to see is the Giants try to build what they can with as many good players as they can and and go from there. Um, this will be interesting, though, to see how the offseason plays out there. So let's get to my second question that I, that I have on my list, Patty, and, and that involves Leonard Williams. And the question is simply this. Will he or will he not be a Giant in the 2020 season? I say he will. I say that the Giants will will tag him. Probably, or, you know, with, and I know you've suggested this at Giants Country as well, probably with the transition tag, if for no other reason than I think they have to save some sort of face here, considering how, considering how much they gave up to get a guy who played a half a season of football on a team that had no chance to make the playoffs. Your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I I agree with you. And it's it's not just also about saving face, which obviously is a big thing. But, you know, the more I think about it, and, and it's funny because uh, I started a, a, a <coughs> course with um, Joel Corey on salary cap. And, and that topic, I actually raised that topic in the class last night. And I said to him, you know, what do you think is going to come of that? And, and you know, he, he, we can continue to talk about why they made the trade and how we don't understand it and whatnot. And when, again, when I was speaking with uh, Jeff Ryston today, I said to him, I said, look, I got this crazy theory. Tell me if I'm, I'm nuts. I said, but when we look at the film of Leonard Williams, has he been used properly? Or is it a case that they've used him all over the place and maybe some of the, the spots that the Jets used him in the past wasn't the right place to use him at? Um, and, and he said, you know, that he thought that that was, that was true, that, you know, look, you, you look at guys who are – versatile and they could do multiple things and there's an expression that comes to mind jack of all trades master of none and that's what sometimes teams get um tempted to do they tend they're tempted to to move all these guys around to different positions and it creates headaches because now all of a sudden you got to take guys off the field and whatnot so jeff and i in our discussion kind of felt that okay you know what if the giants line Leonard Williams up as as like a, a three or a four I or something like that, then he might have more value. He might be more productive. But um, but yeah, I think it's that's a big part of the equation. You know, how does Patrick Graham plan to use him? And I think, you know, I would think by now that they've made that decision. They've gone to Dave Gettleman and they've said, OK, look, this is what we're thinking of doing. Now the ball is in your court to get the guy signed. And I do think they will they will sign him. I don't know if it will necessarily be to a full, you know, multi-year deal. I could see it potentially being the transition tag or a prove it deal since, you know, it's a new defense and they just got to see how everybody fits in. Yeah, Patty. I think, you know, the thing with Williams that, that people have to realize is he is a good player, not a great player, but he is a good player. He does have value he will help the Giants if he's on that defense in 2020. All right, let's do one more question. Then we'll take a break for a, a word from our SB Nation sponsors before we before we continue. But my third question involves this is sort of the the will he or won't he million dollar Dave Gettleman question. It's the will he or will he not trade down from number four? We know he's never done it. We know he said that the Giants are open for business at number four. I think sort of reading the tea leaves of this draft, reading some of and listening to some of Dave's other comments about how much talent there is both at the top of this draft and depth throughout this draft in positions like wide receiver where the Giants could use some help. I think that if he can find the right deal, I think Dave Gettleman is going to move down a few spots from number four. Agree with me or disagree with me, Patty? Oh, I absolutely agree. This is the year to do it. You have two teams behind you that need quarterbacks. And, you know, let's not just limit it to the quarterbacks. Maybe there's some teams even lower who, who have their eye on a, you know, a premier receiver or, or a defensive player. You know, maybe uh, some of these teams want um, Derek Brown, for example. So I definitely think there's going to be opportunities to trade down. 
And I would be stunned if Dave Gettleman doesn't take advantage of one of them because, A, you're going to get more draft picks, and B, and most importantly, you're going to save money on the salary cap. I did a scenario in my, for example, my, my Yannick uh, trade-down scenario. Um, I, I did a scenario where if the Giants dropped down to uh, – with Jacksonville picks, which I think is number nine in the order, that's a difference of $2.5 million in money that you have to commit to the first round pick. That's a pretty big amount. And that's an amount, if you think about it, that can go toward, you know, another player. So I definitely see benefits of doing that. I do as well, Patty. And I know that Dave said there is danger in dropping down too far. And I think given his, uh, you know, given his choice, he would stay in the top 10. But I have to be honest with you. I keep looking at the Las Vegas Raiders with 12 and 19 and thinking if the Las Vegas Raiders would give me 12 and 19 for four, I'm all over it in a, in a heartbeat. You and me both. And that's something I'm taking a look at as well. And uh, I, I think it's really going to depend on, um, you know, what happens in the top of the draft. Now, you know, let's say Miami somehow moves up with Detroit. That could totally upset the apple cart, but I absolutely would take 12 and 19 in a heartbeat if it meant, you know, especially if I saw some offensive tackles still on the board. All right, Patty. As I said, let's take a quick break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. We'll come back, and I have uh, I have two more questions, two more scenarios to, to cover with you before we call it a day. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, talking with Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants and Giants Country. And we are doing sort of an old-fashioned five questions kind of thing. Patty and I used to do that uh, when uh, when Patty was uh, was writing more exclusively at Inside Football. And, you know, which I know Patty still, uh, still, I believe you own that these days. Am I correct, Patty? I do publish it, yes. So, you know, so we, we, we don't do that anymore, but this is sort of an old fashioned uh, five questions segment with Patty and I. And we have two more questions to go. So, what I've got next for you, Patty, is, you know, we, we briefly mentioned before the break, we briefly mentioned offensive line. And I think you and I have talked about offensive line scenarios. My ideal offensive line scenario for the Giants this offseason goes like this. Win the bidding war for Jack Conklin at right tackle. Use your first draft pick on defense, You know, whoever the best defensive player is. If you happen to, to pull off a scenario like we talked about with the Raiders where you get 12 and 19, maybe you even use one of those picks on a wide receiver. But then you go into day two 
and find your left tackle of the future, a guy who could be a developmental player and learn for a year behind Nate Solder, and maybe somewhere in the middle of the draft or mid-tier free agency, you find someone you hope would upgrade the center position. Give me your sort of ideal offensive line scenario, you know, for the Giants in terms of of rebuilding it uh, this offseason. Okay, I'm actually going to disagree with you. I know I've been agreeing with you up until this point. Wow, Patty. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to people, throw you off the show if you're going to do know, that. I know. I know. People were probably, you know, those of you who, who stay tuned in, you're, you're going to be rewarded. This is how I look at it. Um, the Giants obviously do not want to be drafting in the top 10 every year or let alone in the top five. You're up there in that top position, and and even if you trade down um, to number ten, or you know you trade down a few spots to number twelve, let's say for example, get your left tackle of the future. Stop d- dilly dallying. You know Jack Conklin's a great player, but he's going to be expensive. You know it, at best it's a bandage. You know you also have to look ahead. You, you you're going to have Saquon. You're going to probably have to redo his contract. After the third year, um, you may have to do uh, Daniel Jones's the year after, depending on what kind of season. So you can't afford, in my opinion, to have big money tied up in a veteran offensive tackle. Get a young guy, get him on his rookie deal, throw him in there, and just just fortify that. You know, left tackle is important. Right tackle is just as important, especially now that teams mix and match and move their, um, you know, their best pass rushers around. I get that. So, you know, address that, you know, maybe flip Nate Solder over to the right side if, if, if you pull, you know, a left tackle or keep him at the left tackle if you, if you pull a right tackle in the draft and just go down that path. Now, as far as center goes, I've said this before, I'll float it out again. I wonder if perhaps... You know, if if they want to get Nick Gates onto the field, and you and I have talked about this, Nick Gates, to me, even though he learned center, he, he, he told me he learned center from Spencer Pulley, I think, you know, size-wise, he's too tall for the position. I remain intrigued about possibly moving Kevin Zeitler, who is a very cerebral player, inside to center. I think he could handle that role. Then you put Nick Gates in there at, at guard, and you've solved, you know, a couple of problems. So I think that's how I would approach it if I were the Giants. Oh, Patty, what's the world coming to when you and I disagree on on how to approach this? I know, this? it's a rarity. I, I do think I like the idea of of allowing Nick Gates to to try to find a spot in the lineup. And I think I think the way that I would approach it is perhaps to use a mid-round pick on a Matt Hennessy of, of Temple or a Lloyd Cushenberry of LSU or, or someone like that and allow him to compete for that job with Gates. But all of those are interesting scenarios, and and I think the decisions that we see quickly in free agency when it opens in a couple of weeks are really going to shape you know what the Giants do in the draft so and 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 there's really there's no right and wrong answers here so so it's just it's interesting to see how the Giants are going to approach this yeah it it definitely is and I agree with you you know I, I I've said a couple times now that usually I come out of the combine and I have a pretty good idea what the Giants are going to do the only thing I could say for sure about this year 
is free agency is going to go a long way in dictating how they approach this. And I think Gettleman at one point even suggested that, you know, some, something to that effect. I don't remember the exact words, but, um, but yeah, there, there are many different directions they can go in and you just have to see how, how, uh, you know, the plans unfold. All right, Patty, last question. You and I were both at the combine. We both went to a lot of the, uh, the morning media sessions with players. What I want to ask you from the players that you got a chance to talk to, maybe, you know, maybe inside sessions, you know, with kids at the table or maybe, you know, in the podium sessions where, you know, a lot of those are, are massive sort of scrums where you're, you're competing to throw questions at these guys. I kind of want to ask you whether it's for a personal reason, just because you liked talking to this kid or because of what you think he can do or be as a player, is there one player that you spoke to who you really came away thinking, I hope he's a giant? And just let me tell you quickly, the guy for me who I came away thinking about it was Mackay Becton, just because I enjoyed talking to him so much because he's he's pretty engaging and because I think I would enjoy sort of following on a year-to-year basis, you know, what kind of player a guy that big can be as an NFL tackle. So who who would be the one guy for you who you really came away hoping would be a giant? Oh, I have to limit it to one, huh? Yes, just one, Patty. That's all I'm giving you because, you know, uh, we, 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 we don't have until Christmas to, to, to finish up this show. Oh, uh, well, right. I, I'm going to go with Cesar Ruiz. I just found his story um, just so inspiring. I found him to be a very kind soul, a very sincere soul. You know, just I, I drove a lot of the questions about his background. He grew up, for those who don't know, I, I wrote a story about him on, on Giants Country. But for those who don't know, he grew up in Camden, lost his father when he was eight years old. His father was struck and killed. Uh, on the side of the road when he was trying to help a stranger change a flat tire. And, you know, just not only that, but Camden, for those who don't know, is one of the most uh, difficult neighborhoods, I think, in the nation, let alone in the state of New Jersey. It, it has a very high crime rate, and a lot of young men and women, unfortunately, get swallowed up because they don't know any better or because just the circumstances and just to hear Cesar Ruiz talk about, you know, his father and, and to talk about how he overcame, you know, the, the temptations and the lure of easy money and, and, you know, fast money and all this stuff um, that, that come with living in that type of environment, very inspirational. And I think the, the one thing that really, really grabbed me about him was he's just a kind soul, you know, kind of like, you know, he spoke about his father and how his father would, would basically give you the shirt off his back, even if he didn't know you. And he said, that's what I want to be when I get to my, you know, to the NFL platform. I want to give back. I want to be a giving person. You know, that is my nature. And you, you just, after hearing his story, I, you know, I, I shouldn't admit to this, but I'm going to, I just wanted to give the kid a big hug. Because that's how moved I was by his story. Oh, Mama Trina, there you go. <laughs> yeah, guilty as charged. I know. You hate it when I do that. I know. 
Yeah, that's what, what can I say? That's what you're going to do, so. (laughs) All right, Patty. Hey, I appreciate your uh, taking some time to to do the show. Giants fans, please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Thank you for listening, as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.